Happy New Year. It's a joy to uh, be able to welcome each of you on the first Lord's Day of this new year. We are certainly glad to be able to welcome you to our services today. We are thankful you've chosen to come our way. Anytime we get to assemble and worship God is always a good time. Uh, We're honored to be able to worship our God today and Uh, We want to certainly express to you our appreciation for your being here. Of course, uh, JT and Betty Tafee have reached another milestone. They were married 67 years as of this past Friday. I know Brother JT and maybe a couple of others here are one of some of the few World War II vets that we still have amongst us, and we are certainly honored to uh, be able to congratulate them today on that accomplishment. 67 years is quite a while. I do hope that you will make your plans to be here next Lord's Day, put forth very special effort. Uh, Brother Kyle Butts going to be our guest speaker for our Stewardship Sunday. We're going to be having a combined session here at 9 o'clock. All classes from uh, 7th grade and above will meet here in the auditorium. We'll have worship at 10. We'll eat lunch together at 11.30, so we need to bring plenty of food for our families and our guests. And then, of course, we'll have a closing service at 1. So let's be looking forward to that particular day next Sunday. Uh, Make sure you're here, and let's get the word out. There are advertisements that are available on each table in our foyers, and so uh, let's plan to make that day a fantastic day. Our college students uh, will be making their way back in town uh, toward the middle of the week. I think classes start Wednesday for them, so we probably will have a a full house of college students on Wednesday night. I know we have five families away uh, in uh, Pasadena this weekend, and I wish those five families were here and I was in Pasadena. If you don't know what I'm talking about, ask somebody. But anyhow, uh, it's going to be a great year for us here at Delreda, and uh, we're certainly looking forward to this start together. A Sunday school teacher was explaining to her class how that Lot's wife looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt and Little Johnny spoke up anxiously and said, well, my mom was driving the other day, and she looked back. She turned into a telephone pole. You know, life is that way many times. Uh, There's so many barriers that stand in our way when it comes to living the Christian life. It's so very, very difficult for us to keep our focus where it needs to be. We live such busy lives. We have so many pressing obligations. There's so many urgent things that we feel like we have to accomplish. Many times we we lose focus of what really, really is important. And of course, uh, as we begin this new year of 2014, you know, what kind of year is 2014 going to be, not only for this church, but especially for you as an individual? What can you do to, you know, improve your commitment to God, to improve your devotion and your relationship to God? Perhaps you can look back at 2013 for just a moment and ask yourself the question, am I 
better off now spiritually than I was this time a year ago. What about my priorities? Am I really putting first things first? I want to suggest today that each one of us needs to have as a goal for this new year to be a better me. Now, certainly we want this church to be a better congregation. But this church being a better congregation depends on me, first of all, being a better me. Once I begin to focus on myself and as each individual resolves to be a better me, then naturally we're going to have a better church. And so let's think about today as we begin this new year, what we can do to be a better me? What can I do to make myself better in this new year? I might suggest first of all this morning that we need to resolve that we're going to make prayer a daily habit. Now last week I had two lessons on what the Bible says about prayer. And last week we talked about what prayer is and we emphasized the importance of prayer in our lives and and how prayer is a way to get God to do things for us that he normally would not do if we didn't pray. The Bible tells us that we need to pray without ceasing. In other words, we need to always manifest a prayerful spirit, a prayerful attitude. And you think back to every great servant of God in days past and gone, those individuals that we find that God was pleased with are those individuals that spent a lot of time in prayer. The old adage, I think, is true that Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint on his knees. We need to realize that prayer is a recognition of the greatness and the power of our God. It's also a recognition of our total dependence on him for everything, realizing that we're weak and that we're helpless. And without God, we can have nothing and we can be nothing. And therefore, if I'm going to be a better person, if there's things that I want to improve in my life, if I want to be a better individual, I need to make a resolve in my heart that I'm going to pray to God more consistently, more fervently, than I have in days past and gone. And along these same lines, I think we also need to realize if, if I want uh, myself to be better, if I want a better me in 2014, I need to be involved in reading and studying God's Word. Now, we know that the Bible read, studied, and applied is God speaking to us. In fact, the psalmist had a lot to say about the importance of meditating upon God's law. We have a contrast here in Psalms chapter 1. The Bible says, blessed is the man. 
And then there's some negative things that are said here. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And if you look at what has been written by various people on this passage, you'll find that basically this is a description of the progressiveness of sin. It's a way that sin can gradually take control of our lives. First of all, we begin to walk. Then we begin to stand. And before long, we are sitting right amongst those who are involved in sin. Sin is very deceptive. It's very progressive. And, and, and the psalmist said the individual that's happy is the individual does, that does not do these things. But instead, this individual delights in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates day and night. Do you want to be better this coming year? You need to spend some more time reading and studying and meditating upon God's law. A mother one time gave her son a Bible before he left to go overseas for military service. And this particular mother wrote inside the front cover of this Bible. She said, son, this book can keep you from sin. And only sin can keep you from this book. And we need to realize that God's word is so very powerful. It's quick, it's alive, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. God's word encourages us. God's word strengthens us. God's word informs us of what his will is. It is... Literally a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. And if I want to know what God would have me to be and how God wants me to live my life, I need to be an individual that takes the time to read and study and meditate on what God's word has to say for my life. You see, this is going to make a better me. And a better me will make this a better church. Another way that I need to be better this year is I need to resolve that I'm going to diligently attend worship service. I know sometimes we we just say this and people think we just emphasize maybe too much the importance of attendance. You know, you go back to the book of Hebrews, particularly chapter 10, and we find there in the context of Hebrews chapter 10, the writer admonishing these brethren to remain loyal to Jesus Christ. Don't give up your faith in Christ. Don't go back to Judaism. Jesus Christ is superior to Moses. He is the superior lawgiver. His sacrifice is superior. His covenant is greater than that old covenant. And to persuade these people to maintain their love and profession and devotion to Jesus Christ, the writer said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together 
as the manner of some is. You consider one another. You provoke unto love and good works. Why should we assemble as we are today to worship God? Well, some people may assemble because they feel like they have to. I don't want anybody calling me and bugging me, so it's just better for me to go. Some like the social interaction. You know, we get together with friends and we can have a good time. We can talk and even text during church. And, you know, we can just kind of have a little get-together here uh, as we worship God. Some people assemble for that purpose. Some people maybe see attending as a way to have contacts for businesses and things of that nature. Why should we assemble to worship God? You know, one reason why I need to consistently and diligently attend worship services is to demonstrate my love for God. If I love God, if I love his son Jesus Christ, then I'm going to want to be here where he is. And if I love my brethren in Christ, if I want to encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ, then I'm going to be there just to encourage them by my attendance. Because I realize just by my presence that I can stir my brethren up and encourage them unto love and good works. I want to be here because I want to set a good example before other people. I want to set a good example for my children and my grandchildren. I want to let my family know exactly what is most important in my life. And let me just add this too, as we think about a brand new year, and we always think, you know, a brand new year is a chance for a new beginning. I want to encourage everyone here to be in Bible class Every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Just like the class that I attended this morning. If you're not here, you're only hurting yourself. You're missing out on a chance to grow spiritually. You're missing out on an opportunity whereby you can make yourself better and stronger and more effective in the Lord's kingdom. You're missing out on a chance to grow in love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. You need to be in a Bible class at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. The same thing is true on Wednesday night. What a great source of encouragement it is to be able to meet midweek and to study God's Word and to encourage one another. And folks, this is something that some of us need to have a new mindset toward. We need to renew our thinking and our attitude toward this kind of thing and just try it and see what happens and notice how richly you're blessed. And I think along this same line, and I think it really hits close to home, a better me involves the idea of focus and zeal. Once I get here, to worship. Now the Bible says in John 4 and verse 24, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. Why are we here today? I want each one of you today to stop for a moment and ask this question, not just in a a group way, but in an individual way. Why am I here? Why am I sitting in this pew where I'm sitting right now? What purpose is it serving? I hope today you'll realize that I am here to worship my creator. I am here to worship the giver and the sustainer of all life. You see, when we assemble like we are here today, we are worshiping God. God, if you please, is on the stage and we are performing for him. That is the only reason we're here. And if God is on the stage, and if we are performing for him, if you please, then doesn't God have the right to dictate how he is to be worshipped? And would not that attitude of recognizing God's authority and God's power and God's omnipresence and omnipotence, would not a recognition of God's greatness... And doing things that please him and only that please him. Don't you think that would solve most, if not all, of our worship controversies that we see around us in the church today? After all, it's not what I want. It's not what I like. It's not what pleases me. It's not what might appeal to the masses. My only question to ask is, what pleases God? Now, that's important, but I think this is also important. When I'm here to worship God, I need to give my very best. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but when we're here to worship God, we need to be focused on what we're doing. It's easy to allow irreverence to become a reality in worship. Maybe we are distractful to others by talking or laughing or texting or whatever you do uh, from time to time. It's easy to lose our focus. But when we worship God, we need to make sure we give God our very best. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're thinking about those emblems and we're concentrating on what those emblems mean. And let me say this about our singing. I believe we have good singing here. But I believe we could really increase our volume if we individually put forth more effort. I'm not just getting on to our our youth and young people, but I've been to exposure before. I've heard those voices literally burst the ceiling off the room because of the volume and the beauty of the singing that took place, and sometimes we get back here at church and we just barely open our mouths. You know, just our youth and college students alone, if everybody else didn't sing and just these folks sung, they ought to be able to hear us on Atlanta Highway. It ought to be so loud. 
We've got talented folks here. We've got voices that are very talented. And of course, God doesn't recognize in particular the quality of the voice. God just wants the joyful noise. He wants the voice. He wants our enthusiasm. And so when we worship, I focus on giving God my best individually. The person beside me may not do such, but I am. And so I'm going to give God the very best I can. I'm going to think about what we're doing in worship. I'm going to focus on praising and magnifying the God of this universe. Let's move on now as we think about this idea of a better me. May I suggest also that a better me involves expressing an interest, a true interest in my brethren. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, I think, is of particular importance. Of course, the Bible says previous to this in verse 3, let each esteem others better than themselves. And that's the problem right there. We don't think anybody's better than us to begin with. The Bible says we need to esteem others better than ourselves. And then it says, look each one of you not only for his own interest, but also on the interest of others. We need to be concerned about one another. We need to be concerned about what's happening in the lives of one another. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 admonishes us, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, if anyone is called up in a transgression... You who are spiritual, not preachers, not elders, not a group of specially trained individuals. It says, you who are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness or gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Are we concerned about our brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, sometimes we become so self-oriented, and that really is a characteristic of our society today. What's in it for me? How is this affecting me? What can I get out of it? That's the general selfish mentality that exists today in our culture. In contrast to that, we need to be focused on the other person, what they feel. What's good for them? How can I help them? I need to be concerned about the problems that other people are dealing with. I need to bear their burdens. For example, I need to look round about me today and I need to see who's not here. That normally is around where I'm sitting. And when I notice somebody's not here, that, that's normally here where I'm sitting, I'm going to contact that person. I want to tell them, those individuals, that I miss them and is there anything that I can do for them? I'm going to show some concern for them. And that's one thing we need to do. We need to express real interest in the needs of other people. We need to show other people that we care. And I want to challenge you along these lines this week. I want to challenge you this week 
and for the rest of the year for that matter. Don't let a single day go by without encouraging another person in some way. That's going to be your goal. Every single day, you're going to encourage one person. Maybe somebody at work. It may be saying to them, you're doing a good job. I appreciate you. But you're going to, at least one time a day, encourage somebody else. Maybe make a telephone call to somebody that has been sick or maybe one of our shut-ins and let them know that you're thinking about them. It might involve, you know, sending a card to somebody. It could involve making a personal visit. But one time a day, and I think you can do it in 30 seconds most of the time, encourage somebody in some way. And I hope you'll take that challenge. And I hope you'll begin to see what a difference it's going to make in your life. But we have to move on. If, we, if, if, if I'm going to be a better me in 2014, I also need to walk in love. Literally, I need to live a life of love. I need to love God. And I love God by doing what he says, John 14, verse 15. I need to love my fellow man. I need to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and we're talking about agape love here. We're not talking about the world's love that focuses on emotion. You know, love is the feeling you feel when you feel you're feeling a feeling you never felt before. We're talking about a decision of the will, a determination of the mind that does what's good for the other person regardless of the emotion. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 4, talks about how love behaves, how it acts. It says, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, it's not arrogant. Love does not behave rudely, it seeks no evil, it seeks not his own, it doesn't rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things and believes all things. It hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. It's a determination of my mind that I'm going to love you. And I'm going to demonstrate that love to you by my behavior, by my actions. Jesus says, love your enemies. Does that mean I have a warm, fuzzy feeling about my enemies? No. But love is a determination, a decision of the will. It acts in a certain way because Jesus has acted in a way toward me when I was unloving toward him. He gave himself for me. I need to walk each day in love. And then let me suggest to you as well... There's going to be a better me in 2014. I need to place Christ first in my life. I need to make Jesus Christ my top priority. I think about the attitude of Paul who said, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ living in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I wonder sometimes how Paul could make the statement for me to live 
is Christ, but to die is gain. Paul said, for me to live means that Christ is going to be magnified. Christ is going to be glorified. It's not what I want that matters. It's not what I need that I'm going to be seeking after. What's most helpful and most needful is what glorifies Jesus Christ. And Paul says, as long as I'm able to do that, that's wonderful. But if death comes, then that is complete gain. It's a win-win situation. Paul says, for me to live, Christ will be glorified. And yet if I die, there's only great gain. That just simply means that this coming year and from now on in every decision that I make, in everything that I do, every word that I speak, every action that I engage in, every place that I go, I'm asking myself the question, is Christ being magnified by what I'm doing? Then let me suggest as well today that We need to also, if we're going to be better, we need to resolve to share our faith with other people. Peter admonishes us in 1 Peter 3 and verse 15 to sanctify, set apart the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man who asks a reason for the hope that's in you in meekness and in fear. We need to always be ready to share with somebody about the hope that we have for the future. I need to be an individual that is always willing to be able to tell somebody else how they can live a life like I'm living and how they too can one day go to heaven when this life is over. I'd like to challenge you as well to resolve to spend just maybe one night, one hour a week, day or night, strictly in God's service. Just give one hour a night or one hour in the afternoon whereby you do nothing but serve God in some way. You know, if every person here resolved to do that, can you imagine how it would revolutionize this church? Can you imagine what a difference it would make not only in your life, but in the lives of other people? We need to share our faith with those that we come into contact with on a daily basis. And then I want to suggest as well that we need to resolve that we're going to live a transformed, a holy life. You know, the writer of the book of Romans admonishes us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, be not conformed to this world. In other words, don't be fashioned according to the pattern of this world. Don't let the world shape you into its mold. Instead, you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to realize that I am responsible to live a transformed, holy life every day that I live. 
I'm not like the world round about me. I have to be different from the world. We see how the world behaves. We can watch television and and we can see the Hollywood description of life and what really is important and, you know, how people emphasize you need to be happy. That's all that matters. Whatever makes you happy, that's what you need to do. We can't have that mindset. We are to be different from the world, different in our thinking, different in our goals, different in our focus and approach to life. A better me means that I'm going to live a transformed and holy life. And then let me suggest as well quickly, we need to also be involved in practicing benevolence. You know, James chapter 1 and verse 27 talks about how a part of pure religion is not only to keep oneself unspotted from the world, but to visit the fatherless, the orphans, the widows in their afflictions. We need to be the kind of people that try to alleviate the needs of others. We need to be compassionate people. People that realize that there are those around us who are hurting. That there are those around about us that are less fortunate than we are. And we need to reach out with a helping hand. And then let me suggest as well as we close that we also need to be involved, if I'm going to be a better me, in practicing hospitality. I know that's difficult to do sometimes in our hustle and bustle society. We're so busy. We've got so many things that we have to focus our own attention toward family obligations. But have you ever thought about what it would do to the life of another person if you opened up your home to that individual? If you showed interest and concern to another person by extending hospitality toward Those individuals, just think about the encouragement that can be mustered. The Bible says, don't forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. We need to keep in mind that whatever we do for other people, we do for the Lord himself. That's why the Bible says you show hospitality one to another without grumbling. Now, it's easy to show hospitality sometimes toward our close friends. It's easy for us to get involved in our certain little group of individuals and show hospitality toward them. But we need to be willing to reach out to those that are unfamiliar to us. We need to reach out to those that might make us somewhat uncomfortable. And we need to demonstrate a love and concern for them by the way we manifest hospitality. We need to, in this church, look round about us and make sure we're always friendly. We're always welcoming of other individuals. We need to be the kind of people that include others. Nobody's left out. See, that's where it comes down to look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. 
That's why sometimes I'll see somebody sitting by themselves. That ought never to happen. You know, somebody sitting by themselves, maybe it's one of our young people that's sitting by themselves. Uh, That's not going to last. Somebody's going to move up and sit beside them. We're not going to allow anybody to be left out. Sometimes when our kids get down here for kids sing, there's not enough on the front pew for all the girls and one will sit down on the floor. Well, I don't allow that. Somebody else has got to sit down on the floor with that person. You see, we're always looking out for somebody else. We need to be friendly. We need to be hospitable. We need to be warm and welcoming. We need to include everyone. Now, we may have a few special friends. but There's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to our work and our relationship with one another, we're going to always include other people And we're going to look out and be aware of what's going on around us. And we're not going to leave anybody out. You know, as we close today, surely each one of us, you know, no matter what efforts we may have put forth in the past, I think we can do a better job this year as we seek to serve the Lord. I know as I look at my life, I see a a lot of shortcomings that I've had this past year. I I see a lot of areas wherein I need to improve and do better. And I hope you feel the same way. I hope we'll have the attitude of the Apostle Paul who said, I'm going to forget about those things which are behind, but I'm going to reach forth to those things which are before. And I'm going to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I fall short. But I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm not going to lose my focus. I'm not going to lose sight of the goal. And that's exactly what you and I need to do today. You know, a better me today may involve making a decision to become a Christian. Your relationship with God begins when you become a child of God, and today you can do just that. If you're willing to believe in Jesus Christ with all of your heart that he is the Son of God, if you're willing to change, if you're willing to repent... And if you're willing to acknowledge with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God, then you can be baptized into Christ, buried with the Lord in baptism where his blood was shed. That act of baptism will put you into contact with the blood of Jesus. All your sins will be washed away. And you can arise from that watery grave of baptism, a new creation. This morning, the invitation is yours.